is The Trip That Changed Me, a podcast about trips that transform. I'm Esme Benjamin, editor of Full-Time Travel. And every other Thursday, I'll be sitting down with entrepreneurs, writers, entertainers, and everyday adventurers to discuss a journey that shifted their mindset, ignited a new calling, expanded their heart, or ushered in a new chapter. My guest today is writer and performer, Lane Moore. Lane is one of those multi-talented people who somehow juggles multiple creative projects at the same time and earns rave reviews for all of them. She's the award-winning former sex and relationships editor of Cosmopolitan magazine and the author of two books, How to Be Alone and the recently released You Will Find Your People, How to Make Meaningful Friendships as an Adult. She's also the host of the podcast, I Thought It Was Just Me, front person for the band It Was Romance, and she tours a comedy show called Tinder Live, which has been praised by critics from the New York Times, New York Magazine, and CBS, to name a few. In this episode, Lane shares the story of a solo trip to Prince Edward Island, an idyllic maritime province of eastern Canada best known for being the setting of Anne of Green Gables, Lane's favorite book from childhood. As somebody who always thought they would be alone in the world, Lane was surprised to discover through this trip that you can find kindred spirits in the most unlikely of places. Lane, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to have you. I've been so impressed with all the many different things that you do for work, which we're going to get into in a minute. Um, But first, I love to jump in by asking, where did your love of travel originate? What's interesting is that I didn't necessarily have one. Like I didn't grow up being able to travel much. We didn't really travel a lot. Um, I didn't really see it as an opportunity for myself, to be honest. I think unless you grow up super, super privileged, you don't necessarily develop that love until you're able to have the means to do it. So I'd love to say, you know, I grew up super privileged and and we developed it at the age of five, but no, you know, and even as I became an adult and, you know, was working in the arts and was just like, oh, I feel like I can never take a break from work and could I afford it to travel and things like that, you know, so I hadn't really been able to and then, but had always wanted to. And so it was just a matter of like, it's funny, you know, you're, you're asking like, where did it start? But I think it's almost like, why did it take so long to get there for me? It's been like a push and pull. I really wish that it was more accessible to people because I think I would have started doing it a lot sooner. But then the other thing that I would face when I would think about traveling is I would think, well, I don't want to go alone. You're not supposed to go alone. And you're supposed to have like this perfect group of girlfriends that you go with. And it was really only when I started to throw away those ideas that I started to really love traveling once I embraced that I really liked traveling alone. I really liked solo traveling. Would it have been great if it was with a bunch of people that I really loved? Yeah, of course. But I think I really only started to really love it when I embraced the current circumstances where, you know, in a perfect world, I'd be able to stay at a really, really fancy resort. And maybe I couldn't do that, but what could I do? So I think that That's really when I started to love travel is when I kind of started bucking a lot of the the things that we tell people they need in order to travel and started realizing like, oh, I can get like a 
decent enough hotel here. I can fly myself out there. I can just walk around and try some restaurants. I can go to some vintage stores and really, you know, embracing my solitude as this really cool thing. Like, I think that's when I started to really love it is when I realized like what it meant to me and what it could feel like to me. I'm excited to chat more with you about solo travel because I know you're a big proponent and this um, episode is all about one particular trip you took. But first of all, let's talk about what you were doing before the trip. So you were living in New York, working as a writer and a performer. What did life look like for you at that time? Um, So I had had done a lot of, I want to say, because sometimes it's so funny the way your memory works. You like just remember how you felt at that time. You know, my brain doesn't always remember like the year or the specific circumstances. And sometimes when I'll go back and I'm like, really, that was then interesting. But I want to say that at the time of this, I was working as an editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. I was their sex and relationships editor. And I have a comedy show that I do called Tinder Live that I had created. And that was really taking off. And it was in like all of these newspapers and magazines and everything all over the world. And it was really exciting. And I want to say at the same time too, I'm in a band called It Was Romance. And I think our first record had just come out. So like a lot of stuff was coming together. I don't know if it had happened yet, but it was like all of this stuff was kind of simmering. And I remember seeing the people that I worked with in the office, they were all taking these vacations. They were all going to the same places. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but like they literally, I would hear them talk and they'd all be like, oh, you're going to this island? Me too. I'm going there next month. I'm going to this month. Like they were all going to the same place. And again, just that like social pressure of being like, should I go there? Am I supposed to go there? That's where everyone's going. I'm supposed to go to the place everyone's going. And then, you know, they're like taking their partner or their vet, you know, usually it was their partner or whatever. And I was like, oh, is it just like a couple's trip? Like, you know, kind of measuring yourself as like, am I doing life right? Can I have this experience if I don't do it the exact same way? Do I even want this experience everybody else is doing very similarly? And I was really, I think, you know, putting out all these great things into the world, but still feeling like I didn't really know who my people were yet. I didn't have anybody I would have asked to go on a trip with me. I just never done that. And I think I still had a lot of feelings about I, I don't know, like, like as though I, I think I, I think I was really trapped in that comparison of like, oh, like if somebody was going to come on a trip with me, I should know who they are. I, I'm sure they would ask me, you know, or or whatever. Like I just had all these kinds of ideas in my head. But yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But that's that's where yeah. I was at at the time. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, it's I interesting. Know. Like I remember one of my friends saying that um, she was living in London at the time and she was in her early 30s and she was describing how everybody was pairing off and getting serious with their like relationships. And so therefore they were traveling as a couple. And she was like, my girlfriends who I would normally travel with had ditched me for their other half. And so I felt like I had no one to travel with. Was it a similar situation for you? Because she was, yeah, she was single at the time and just felt like, okay, well, I haven't got my friends now. I don't have another, like another half. So what do I do? How do I go about traveling? Yeah, I think it was more, it sounds like in that situation, she had girlfriends she traveled with for a long time. The most I had traveled at that point, I took like one trip by myself, very, like, very low budget, very scared still to be like, oh, I don't know, like, I'm not feeling, you know, that wasn't feeling that stable yet to be able to do that. Didn't know how to do it yet. 
And then I worked the whole time. I didn't really enjoy it. So yeah, I didn't really have the like, oh, those friends aren't there anymore. Like I hadn't really had those friends yet that hadn't solidified for me in the way that I had wanted yet. But I did notice that, yeah, whenever people were traveling, it seemed to either be with their best, best girlfriends, like these five girls that like, I didn't have that situation yet, or it was with their partner. And I was like, well, I don't have either one of these. So like, where is that leaving me? But I think that what I did have at this time that was useful to me is this was the first time that I had had a job where I had vacation time. I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was making enough that I I was like, I felt like I could actually take some time off. I could actually kind of swing this. And I think it helps when you're around people who are doing that because it kind of encourages you. You're like, oh, a lot of my coworkers are like using their vacation time to actually go somewhere. I think I was also in like a unique position of a lot of my coworkers. They were like this job, like the job that we had at Cosmo, that was like their full-time thing as it is with many people. But for me, like when I wasn't at Cosmo, like I'm working on Tinder Live. I was working on a book. I'm working with my band. So like for me, whenever I had going to go time off, I was working on like 20 artistic projects. So it was even harder for me to pull myself away and say like, no, like you still get to take a vacation like everybody else. And what could that look like? What are the possibilities? And also like if traveling and all these things have always felt so far away, it can feel really overwhelming. Like, where do you want to go? What kind of experience do you want? And it's been interesting. A lot of the trips I've taken when I've taken a trip that I tried to do like what I thought was normal. And it was like a trip I hated, but that's for another time where you're just like, why did I do this? Because I I read other people love taking a trip like this and it's not for me, you know? And so how did the trip to Prince Edward Island come about? So I am a lifelong Anne of Green Gables fan. That book touched me so deeply as a child. I just felt so much like Anne Shirley. I didn't have a really close-knit great family. I spent most of my time by myself, really like raised myself. And so I really loved all these stories like that and Matilda about these like orphans, but specifically Anne of Green Gables. I've always been a very romantic person and just the way it's written and the way that she writes about Prince Edward Island. I mean, even Prince Edward Island, like just sounds so beautiful. And it had always been kind of in the back of my head that I wanted to go someday, someday, someday. And then I don't remember how I heard about it, but a friend of mine who, interestingly, I I talked to earlier today, uh, told me that she and her husband had a vacation house up there. And it was like this really cool old church. And she was like, if you ever want to go, I think we maybe Prince Edward Island had come up and how much I wanted to go. And she was like, well, just so you know. And she's like, if you ever want to go up there, you know, I don't like charge people much to stay in it, like whatever you want. And I was like, oh, like (laughs) I have a destination I could go. Maybe this is something, you know, and it's not super expensive. Like I could do this. And I looked up flights and it's not that far from New York. And I just started thinking, oh, this is something that could be really great on like a lot of levels. And it's something I've wanted to go to as a kid. And again, it, it's, it wasn't these ideas I had of like, you have to go to Paris or you have to go to the Maldives or whatever it was. It wasn't that, but I felt like maybe it was like a gateway. And then I'm staying at like a friend's place kind of, it just felt like, oh, this could be pretty cool. And so I booked the ticket and I, you know, 
reserved the space with her and I had no idea what this space was like or what it was going to be like. And, you know, kind of started looking at things I could do in the area, but I don't think I thought too much about it. Like I didn't start to overthink it too much. I was like, just go and see, this isn't super expensive. It's not got to get my money's worth, you know, just go stay at this nice place and see what happens. And you had a dog, right? At the time. So how did you factor the dog into your travel plans? Well, so it's funny because really this is like a two-part story. So the first time I went, I actually did not have the dog yet. And then the second time I went, I brought my dog. So they were really like, I went there twice and had two totally different experiences. Okay. Let's, um, let's start with the first trip. So you were first time traveling completely solo. Completely solo. Yes. I think a lot of people, it comes up more than anything else on this podcast. What the number one thing everyone should try is solo travel. And I'm always trying to get to the bottom of like, why exactly is solo travel so profound for people? Why does it lead to these transformative experiences? It sounds like it was a bit of a transformative experience for you, but were you expecting that? What were your expectations before you left? No, because I had not had necessarily positive solo travel experiences before. And that's not because of probably the reasons you'd think, you know, I think a lot of people, their reasons for being afraid of solo travel, that's not how I felt. And that wasn't the reason they were negative. The reason they were negative is like I said before, I had a hard time unplugging. There was nobody there to kind of be like, Hey, put that down. We're actually going to go have fun. I had to be the one to say like, put this down. We're going to go have fun. So I had to be that. And and in the past, you know, I'd only gone once or twice on another trip. I really, I think, tend to need like activities, like if left to my own devices, solo travel can very easily be, for better or worse, me sitting in my hotel rewatching New Girl episodes. Like, and that's fine, but that's not really, that's not my ideal. So I didn't really know what to expect. And I think I just kind of thought like, well, if it turns into that where like I can't stop working or something like that, it'll be what it is. But the beautiful thing about it was that I'm in this old church. There is Wi-Fi, but reception is spotty. So, and because I'm in this old church and I'm a singer, I spend a lot of time really singing and like letting my voice like ring out over this, you know, like hundred year old church and just like doing these things that, you know, I probably wouldn't have done in my tiny Brooklyn apartment with 5,000 neighbors around me and really just doing a lot of simpler things because I think I just like fell in love. Like it, it really did force me. It's kind of nice when you're in a place that's a little bit more remote, a little bit more rural where you're able to, oh, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to look at the wildflowers that are growing out there. I'm going to take a walk down this road where there's no, like, there's no vintage stores. There's no cool coffee shop. It's just roads and wildflowers and nature and birds. And it was really this, like, it felt like I was being forced to rest in a way sometimes I need. Like, where you you can't check your social media 8,000 times. Like the world is literally like, you can barely access your social media. What are you going to do now? And I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, I think some of us are like, at first you're like, what am I going to do without it? But deep down, we know we're like better when we're able to take a break, you know? For sure. But I think there's also, you know, having our phones with us all the time, there's this false sense of, well, not false sense, a real sense of continuing to be connected to people 
from home or from wherever. And I think that can be like a little safety blanket for us when we're traveling, because I think a lot of people are put off solo travel because they fear loneliness. Yeah. So were there ever times when you felt lonely on this trip and how did you deal with that? So for those people who don't know, my first book was literally called How to Be Alone If You Want to, and even if you don't. (laughs) So... I was working on that book, I believe, at the time. And I didn't know that it was only like, because I was working on this book, it was in my mind. I think it came up in a conversation before or after the trip, I don't remember, with somebody who was like, oh, I could never travel by myself. Like this is, you know, I would feel really weird. Like I really want to do it, but I'm scared. And it's interesting. I think because I had felt alone for pretty much my whole life that like, It's not that you don't get lonely. That's not it. It's just that I didn't know anything else. Like I'm like, it was either go with what you have or don't go at all. And I think it was more frightening to me to not start to live my own life and to not take the trips I want to take now than to sit at home because I didn't feel like it looked correct yet or whatever. And so it's not that the fear isn't there. And, you know, I mean, I think I'd always had a a longing for my people in that way. And, you know, again, it's not that I didn't have a way that I wanted the trip to look, but I don't think I really, I don't think I did get that lonely because I think one of the things was so there's like an Anne of Green Gables house, like Lucy Maud Montgomery, the author of Anne of Green Gables. You can go and visit the house where she grew up and all these different things and all these different little Anne of Green Gables inspired things. And I knew for me, like Lucy Mon- Montgomery feels very kindred to me as a writer. And I know that even though she was married, she was married to like a not very good man and felt very alone throughout her life. And so it was very special to me to be going through her home. And just being in the home of somebody who I related to so much and who I felt like was similar to me in that she had always felt more alone than she wanted and had a really big imagination, a really big heart, really romanticized things and kind of invented stories where her own real life wasn't as so romantic, really, that I just felt so close to her being in the house and just like reading these letters and just, yeah, even thinking about it now, I just like, it felt like I was with a friend in a weird way because just this writer that I had such a connection with my whole life. And then the more I read about her and the more I learned about her and how much she longed for these big, beautiful worlds and friendships. And, you know, she's writing these books that meant so much to people about these deep, beautiful friendships that she herself may or may not have found in her lifetime. And it was just really powerful to me. And I noticed the other people who were walking through the house, (laughs) they weren't lingering as much as I was. I was lingering a lot. I was just like, this was her this, and this was her this. And this was like, I felt like I was visiting a friend's home and it just felt really deep and meaningful. And I think the other thing I really leaned into was all the things you can't do with um with a friend like i think that that was probably how i intentional or not didn't feel that loneliness cuz if anything i leaned into the freedom of traveling alone so i just 
really let myself be in the moment and let myself see all of these things and, you know, see it through her eyes. So I I feel like I really did feel, you know, not to sound too witchy, but I, I feel like I was like she was there in spirit or something, or I just, I just felt really connected to this space and I could see why she found it was so beautiful. And it was only when, and this is interesting because I think this is where a lot of people's shame comes from. I don't think our shame about solo travel comes from us. I don't. Because I would totally forget that I was traveling alone and that was quote unquote weird until I stopped at this like really beautiful place. It was... Oh, it was called Bottle Houses. And it was um, maybe like an hour drive outside of where I was at in Prince Edward, Island, Prince Edward Island. And it was houses made of bottles, like old bottles, like colored bottles. They were beautiful. And there was a woman who was working there. And I think she said something like, where are your friends? Where's your husband or whatever? And I was like, oh, no, I'm just, it's just me. I'm just traveling. And she was like, oh, are you scared? Like something, are you scared? Like something's going to happen. Like this is, you can't be doing this alone. And I was like, I'm good. I'm fine. But again, like just those little moments that we do specifically to women. Like if I was a man who came in and I was like traveling by myself, she would have been like, Ooh, good for you. That sounds like a good time. But for women specifically, we put all this weird shame on them. Like, why are you traveling alone? That's a bad idea. Don't do that. I don't know. And it was really interesting timing, you know, to be working on this book about like what it means to be alone and all of these things. And then having this like nice moment where I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I I wish other people felt this freedom in solo travel. And then to be like kind of smacked in the face by this stranger who's reminding you that's weird. This isn't okay. You're not safe. But then also to be able to have the strength in myself to be like, actually I'm good and you're wrong. And this is actually really wonderful and I'm having a great time. It didn't bother me too much, but it did remind me when I later had these conversations with women I would meet and they'd be like, how do you do that? And I was like, man, we've just internalized those messages so much that we're even spitting it out to each other. We're even, you're having women telling other women like, don't do that. That's not safe. That's weird. Get a man with you. Get your friends with you. Like, And then it's just keeping, it's keeping us all from doing the things we want to do with our lives. And I do think you're right that it is definitely something people ask women specifically and not men. I think going back to something you touched on earlier, I think whether we go solo or with other people, there are moments during travel that are not ideal. (laughs) So they're stressful, like whether it's loneliness or, you know, if you're solo or frustration with the person that you're with, which I've definitely experienced when traveling with friends before. (laughs) But usually when you get home, all that stuff fades into the background. You mostly remember the good parts. And I wish people wouldn't let themselves get deterred because of fear of loneliness or like, you know, like you said, any of the many reasons why we tell pe- pe- women specifically not to travel solo, because I do think yeah. that it can be transformative. So I guess my next question to you is like, why do you think that it was so transformative for you to be solo? I think it was several things. So another thing that happened on the trip that was really, really beautiful was there was a little cafe that was right by where I was staying. And I went in and just had like instantly bonded with like the, the 
cafe owner and, you know, it was so close to where I was staying that I ended up going there pretty much the whole time. There wasn't much else around. And I just like spent so much time with this woman and I met her whole family. And like, cause it was like, you know, she ran it with her husband and it was like really this like family, family run thing. And I was there for enough days that it was like, we just had these really like beautiful conversations. And, you know, I had felt so alone in my life at that time. And I think the beautiful thing, even though it's not easy, when you feel really alone in your life, are really alone, whatever the case is, if you can remain open in that way and you're traveling, and I always was, I was always very open to finding my people, so to speak, and bonding with this woman. And like, we're still friends now. When I went back the second trip, I saw her and now I had a dog and it was like introducing her to her grandson or something. Like she just (laughs) immediately was like, we had a night where we like cried together. Like, and then there was like a woman who lived across the street. She brought me strawberries, was just like, saw me sitting on the porch and she was like, do you want some strawberries? Like, nice to meet you. Like I, you know, I know the owner of the house and I was like, this is great. Like it was just, it just made me realize, you know, living in New York City is so great, but there's so many people around you and so and everybody's still isolated, you know, for lots of reasons. You're still, so many New Yorkers still feel very alone and people in big cities in general, it doesn't matter how many people around you still can feel very alone. And, you know, because you kind of are, everyone's busy and it is what it is, but being solo And being the only person like in this very tiny part of town, I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. And they were like, who's this young woman who's just like here by herself and is just walking around? Because I went at it, I guess, and had that, it really like ended up attracting these people who were just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And I think, you know, they were probably very friendly people innately, but because I went from this place of joy and openness, it just made me realize like, Oh, like, and, and that doesn't really exist in New York city as much. It takes away, like New Yorkers are innately, like, I think most New Yorkers are like really good people underneath, but there's just so much you have to fight against in New York that like every New Yorker has their, has their guard up all the time. So being able to like put that down and have people around me be like, hi, who are you? Like, I'd love to talk to you. And like, they're really nice. And we're like, just was something I had not experienced very much in my life and just kind of realizing like, oh, there's a really big world out there of people I could meet and connect with. And just because I didn't bring them with me, we didn't travel in the same seat on the airplane, I could meet them when I'm there. And then, you know, being able to be in this historic church and sing really loudly, and especially like a church has great acoustics. And you also know that whenever this church first formed, there's always singing in a church. And to just like sing my favorite songs and like hear my own voice and be able to have like quiet with myself and remember how much I love spending time with myself, how much I love being around myself. Like, I really do feel like, you know, we we talk about in romantic, romantic relationships, like, yeah, that like really healed our marriage and we fell back in love with each other. I feel like it really healed my relationship with myself a little more. It made me fall back in love with myself. Like I've never heard anybody talk about it that way, but I think that's what it was. Like I I had a break from all of the 
working 80 hours and like putting stuff out and like, how am I going to do this? And all this pressure to just really sit with myself and remember, like, do the things I love and be able to just sing and write and read and play and explore and all that kind of little kid stuff that is just very healing. I feel like what you're describing is just a profound shift in your energy. Because you know when you're when you're at home and you're in a big city, you can't let everyone in, right? When I first yes. moved to New York, I remember because I just arrived and technically I was yeah. sort of on vacation. <laughs> yeah. There's something about travel or being on vacation that like lets you yeah. open the aperture a little bit, you know, and you start yes. to like you're absorbing more and you're making more eye contact, your energy is more open. And therefore like, you know, because I was more open, they were more open. And after a exactly. while of being in one place, you kind of, you shut down a little bit, but it sounds like yeah. what you were attracting, the way that you were putting out this different energy, this like warm, positive energy was just drawing all of these people to you. And I think that's what makes solo travel special because if you had been with someone, that's a whole different energy. There is a sort of like, oh, they're on, they're probably on their honeymoon or they're on a couple's trip. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to get involved. You don't want to whatever. But having like someone who's just by themselves and is like wearing a cute outfit and is just like, hello, ooh, what do you have here? Like I was just so curious and voracious. And sometimes now, you know, when I'm in New York City and I'm doing things, like sometimes I am able to have that a little bit more easily. But again, you have to like be careful. But when you're in a space where you can kind of relax, like I don't think I was street harassed once while I was there. That may that'll open your energy right up and you return to the energy that is actually yours. Cause I think that's it. I think that when you have to be that protected you're protecting something vulnerable. It's never just like, oh, they're not very open. No, like I think a lot of us become that way because of the environments we're in. And then the Mm -hmm. second you're in an environment that's not like that, so freeing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there's also something about, you know, making new friends and meeting new people and then seeing yourself through their eyes where you're like, I am interesting. I do have good stories. I am smart and fun. You know, and like you said, then you fall in love with yourself in a different way. Yeah, I was really like, because I allowed myself to be like the person I want to be, the person I really am that I didn't always get to be because I had to, you know, it's wearing all these different hats. I had to be the one to you know, I'm like the lead singer in this band. It all, it all revolves around me. I'm like the editor of this thing. It all revolves around me. I created this comedy show and I produced it all revolves around. Like it all had to, I had always struggled because I didn't have that sense of backup. It really felt like I had to hold the whole world up with both my hands. And whenever you get a second and you're like, what if you didn't, what if the next couple of days you just got to be and do whatever the hell you wanted? Like, you start to see who you would be without those layers. And who I was was like, yeah, I'm like a person who really likes connecting with people and really likes wearing really beautiful things and being in awe of of strawberries. Like, interestingly, kind of leaning into the part of me that related so much to Anna Green Gables and her just like love of words and love of romantic things. And oh, isn't this river beautiful? I'm going to write 2000 words about how beautiful it was. Like I really got to indulge that part of me in a way that was safe to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's so nice. And I know you said 
that it felt more like home to you than your actual home did. Is that what you're describing? Absolutely. Because New York City is really like the most sense of home I've ever had, but it's still, it's hard to find those moments just by the nature of a really big city like that, where you're just like, I can kind of turn off my hypervigilance and just like do whatever. Like <laughs> it's a tough city to do that in because it is kind of in your best interest to do that. And so whenever I've gone to more like wide open kind of rural peaceful areas, you know, it's such a shame that it's like so much harder to like work as a comedian or musician or actor or a writer in, in those spaces. Because I, I think my nervous system, my spirit is just very, you know, I kind of need, I think I need both, but I didn't realize how much after years of living in New York city, how much I needed that break and how Mm. much I needed a space like that, where there wasn't, I don't know, there was just like no pressure. And also you do see yourself differently too, because when you're in a bigger city, uh, the way you see yourself, it's like never enough. You know, you're like, you're like, oh, well, this person's making way more money. And this person has a way nicer apartment. And this person has, you know, is this and this and this. But then like everywhere I went when I was on this trip in Prince Edward Island was just like, oh, you're writing a book. Oh my goodness. Like you're in a band. Wow. Like it was like, and you start to realize like, yeah, it doesn't matter if like, I'm not at all these places I want to be you start to remember like, oh, these things are special. And when we're, when we're pulled out of comparing ourselves to all these other people and you're around really nice people who maybe aren't doing things like that, you you know, really aren't doing things like that. And they're just like, I just want to, I run my cafe with my family and that's what I do. Then yeah, somebody who's like writing books and making records and stuff like, and I did realize like, oh, this is really, I'm doing really special things, even if, I constantly feel like I should be doing them a certain way. Like, yeah, it's really, it's really nice to get out of your little zone where you feel like, I don't know, you're like not doing enough. And then to go to a place where people are like, I don't know anybody who is doing all those things. And you're like, yeah, this is special. I think everybody is creative. And I think we all need the yin and the yang. Like, you know, New York City is so, it's so stimulating. It's so inspiring. But then I also think we need places that help us like rest and digest and go into that yes. mode where you're actually letting all of that stimulation marinate and then come to fruition fruition in a different way, right? Like yes, exactly. ideas have to like take some time and then eventually they they bud into something new. So it sounds like that was what yeah. this was for you as well. Your second book, You Will Find Your People, came out in April. Was this trip an inspiration for that book? So it's funny because I talk about the Prince Edward Island trip and another trip that I I took also a solo trip, several solo trips I took in my first book, How to Be Alone. And, you know, what's interesting is in You Will Find Your People, I wanted to write a book about, you know, making friends as an adult and trying to figure all that out and how you get that to a deeper level. Because I think, you know what, I'd always been good at these kind of like friend meet cutes, I always call them and having, I call it having good stranger luck. So I'd always had that. And so, you know, in my first book, I touch a lot on that stranger luck, but also in my first book, I always kind of wished it was a bit more. I always, you know, 
one of the things that I think happens to a lot of us when we're on these trips is we're like, I should just live here. I should just stay yes. here. My, I got to stay like, cause there was a real feeling there of just like, I'm going to move to Prince Edward Island. Sorry, bandmates. Like I can write from here. I don't care. But I always wanted it to be more. And if I didn't get to see them all the time, it didn't feel like it counted. With writing, you will find your people. I wanted to write about how beautiful those moments are, even if you don't see each other again, even if you only talk like the lovely people that I met in Prince Edward Island, they're like always commenting on my stuff on Instagram and they're like, we miss you, Lane, come back soon. And it's like, I don't, I haven't seen them in a few years and I miss them, but like, they're still out there. That experience still happened. And what I wanted to do with the second book was reframe the ideas that we have about friendship because I really thought that when I was an adult, my friends, I'd have like five best friends. We'd see each other every day for brunch, you know, like on Sex in the City and Living Single and Friends and Golden Girls. I know they were retired, but still, like I thought I'd see them all the time and we'd have this little friend group. And then I got to adulthood and I was like, oh no, like I don't, I don't have that. Like what's wrong with me? How do I get that? Or I think I had it. And then I'd have a friend break up and something, you know, something would go wrong and I'd have to start again. And for so many years, you know, similarly, I just had this shame of like, well, I can't do it like everybody else does it. So this is bad. And so much of this book is reframing that and really starting to see that, look, in a perfect world, yes, you will have the number of friends that you want and you'll see them as much as you want. But I think for so many of us, our schedules are crazy and vulnerability is hard and communication is hard. So I wanted to talk about ways to make it better, ways to connect more. And even if you don't have those connections yet, if you're one of those people who's like, uh, you know, what do I do? I don't have this yet. I feel kind of immobilized until I get it. To be able to look at those experiences where you meet somebody on a trip and like I had an experience where I go on tour a lot and I was on tour with Tinder Live in Dallas and there were these girls at the pool and we just started talking together because I was there by myself and we started talking and they bought me the very cute drink that they were drinking and they were like, you look really hot. Let's take hot pool photos of you. And I was like, what? But like, but I just kind of went with it and they took hot pool photos of me and we hung out and it was great. And like, we all follow each other on social media and like, do we talk all the time? No, I, you know, I, I see their stuff on Instagram and I'm like, this is great, but I think we need to reframe it. And instead of saying like, oh, I don't have any real friends because I don't see them all the time to really put more stock into how many connections are out there to be made. Like, I think that that counts, like just being able to, the fact that I was able to connect with those women so instantaneously and like immediately, I'm like hearing about this woman's baby and I'm hearing about this woman's ex. I'm like, we're talking for hours. Like to me, I I wanted to call it, you will find your people because I think your people are everywhere. I think your people are on the the trips that you take. And uh, when you go to the grocery store and there's some lady you always see, or there's some person in your Pilates class and you're like, hey, and you barely talk, just finding connection wherever we can and being really open to it. I love that, Lane. 
Thank Thank you you so much. It's been an absolute delight speaking with you. Where can people find you and your work online? Yes, I am on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter at Hello Lane Moore. And you can find all of my tour dates and books and more information at lanemore.org. I need to come to Tinder Live. It sounds like a hoot. Yes, that's every single month in New York City. I do Tinder Live and then I'm going on a big, I'm on a big tour a lot of the summer with Tinder Live. Oh, and I also have a podcast that I started recently on Patreon called I Thought It Was Just Me for all of the things that I think are just me thinking them and it's not. And uh, if this is relevant to you, there's a segment of the podcast where called What Are We, where people can call in and tell me about their situationships and I will give you an official ruling as to what you are, which is very fun. You're so prolific. There's just so many different. (laughs) It's amazing. I really, I, it's funny because I think I love all these different forms of connection. There's just so many different ways to connect people. Even if you're like in your home, like to be able to write something that somebody really relates to, to be able to write a song. Someone's like, oh, that's how I felt when I heard it. To be able to do a comedy show and you're all laughing. I really feel like all these art forms are forms of connection. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It's, it's all kind of woven through. Before you go, would you have time for a quick fire round? Yes. All right, yeah, let's dive in. What's yeah. the one thing every person should experience in their lifetime? Being accepted for who you are. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's rare, but it's so powerful. Yeah. If you could teleport anywhere just for the day, where would you go and what would you do? I would teleport to Italy with my dog. It's very hard to travel overseas with your dog, but I really want to go to Italy and I really want to go to Japan. And if I teleported, I feel like I wouldn't have to go through customs and my dog could come with me. I would go to Sicily there's so many parts of Japan I would go to. I haven't seen either and I'm just dying to go. The only reason I haven't gone is because I don't want to be away from my dog. What's the one thing you never ever travel without? I'll, I'll say sunscreen. I never travel without sunscreen. I have never forgotten that. I'm very big on that. Good, cool. What's your top tip for traveling with a dog? Oh, if you're lucky enough to have a really well-behaved dog, I have the most well-behaved, well-traveled dog. She sits on my lap peacefully the entire time, does not bark, does not make... I I got so lucky with her. Bring your little water dish. I'm not always good about bringing it, but bring it because I'll take like a long walk with her and I'll be like, I did not bring you water. And then you have to awkwardly try to feed your dog water from a water bottle cap. And it's... Yeah, or from your hand. I've tried that as well. Yeah, from your hand. And then they look at you like, I'm not doing this. And you're like, that's fair. I respect you. (laughs) In your opinion, what's the best destination for solo travelers? I don't think I've found it yet, but I can tell you, I don't think it's an all-inclusive resort. And I will say that. (laughs) I don't think it's that. A lot of, too much, I've tried to do it. It's chaotic. It's not really meant for us. Um, Do you have a recommendation for a book, podcast, or film to stay entertained on a long journey? I love rewatching a TV show that like means a lot to me, like a comfort show. If there's a show I'm watching, I'll bring an iPad or something just in case they only have cable or something, which uh, so many of these I wish you could stream on, but you can't always. But yeah, to have an iPad or something like that where I can just like watch my comfort show. What Um, is your comfort show? 
a lot of times it's new girl. It's been my comfort show for a long time. And it's like, even when it, it goes through phases, you know, sometimes it's Shit's Creek or, you know, I have so many different ones, but whichever one I'm watching right now. And then I think that can be a really nice way too when you're traveling to like make it feel like home. You're like, oh, well, when I was at my actual house, I was on episode five of season two. And now I'm going to watch season like episode six. It feels very grounding. What have you been surprised to learn about yourself through traveling? Uh, I, I guess this is like, it's a negative and a positive. I, I think it's kind of neutral, but that phrase, like wherever you go, there you are, like is really real when you're traveling. Like you want to believe that you can hop on a plane or a train and like run away from your anxiety or your problems and you can't really. So it's like kind of a nice exercise when you're on a vacation to be like, Ooh, I really have to confront that. Like I'm still stressed out here. Like I didn't, I couldn't outrun it. I think that's my biggest challenge still when I'm traveling is to like stay in the moment and not be like still obsessing about work or still obsessing about some problem back home or like something that goes wrong and like takes you out of the moment. And you're like, no, I don't want to be that person. Like how do we reach, you know, shift this energy. And then finally, where is next on your bucket list? Yeah. Italy and Japan for sure. That's like, as soon as I possibly can, Again, I really, I really wish I could bring my dog. I know Japan would love her. She's an eight pound chihuahua. She'd be a big hit, but you know, laws and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I feel like those are, those are really big for me. I've wanted to go kind of my whole life. And there's also just so many, I like knowing there's so many places I don't even know about yet that I'm going to love to go. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Shane. You've been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more inspiring travel stories for your ears. In the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line. And please be sure to rate, review, and follow so we can keep this adventure going.